0: good evening welcome to the pirates fan forum here on dk pittsburgh sports podcasting network i'm your host gary morgan Uh, with me as always is my good friend and co-host jim stam say hello sir
1: hey guys how's it going
0: And uh, we've brought along one of my favorite fans, and I call him Fan and Nothing More because that's exactly what I love about him. He's literally just a Pirates fan that lives in Texas and somehow still watches this team. So, (laughs) Sean Connolly, say hello, everybody.
2: Hello, everybody.
0: So today, before I get into some big rambling rant, I thought we were going to, we should spend a little bit of time talking about the GM, maybe being part of the reason why they don't want to spend this this year, as opposed to just going ahead and scapegoating Bob Nutting like we typically do. I, I think in this case, we may be actually up against one of those weird situations where. Yeah, the owner's cheap, but the GM's not interested in spending right, th- right this moment. Does that make sense to you guys, or am I just making things up? Because I've already been told that I'm making an excuse for nutting, and I really don't think I am this time.
2: Sean, go ahead. All right. <clears throat> uh, I don't think you're nuts, so but I also don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. So Sherrington is more of the expert, and really Nutting's more of a uh, owner slash customer type. So you want to go with the expert. The expert is saying don't spend. Our expectations for 2022 aren't that high to begin with. We want to develop talents. We want to make sure that we get our at bats. We want to make sure we get people to understand what they what they can do actually pitching. Uh, I, I don't see that as a as a bad thing to try and grow the homegrown talent.
0: See, I don't see it as a bad thing either, but my gut instinct tells me if I'm agreeing with Bob Nutting, I'm making a bad choice. And I feel like I'm agreeing with Bob Nutting here in that I'm okay with them not spending a lot of money this year. If it's in an effort to protect prospects and they actually think some of them are going to grow into the job this year. But Jim, as you and I have talked about multiple times, we don't see an awful lot of them really growing into the job this year. right? So it seems to me like a little bit of money wouldn't be a bad thing. And I don't think it would hurt the rebuild, but I get the impression that's where Ben Sherrington is from his comments.
1: It's tough because like you, you, you opened with is like anytime, anytime you even slightly step into the uh, corner of uh, Bob nutting. um, That's a hot, place to be and people don't like it. I think if you're paying attention to what's been going on uh, pretty earnestly the last couple years, you tend to understand it a little better. Um, People that maybe aren't as uh, tapped into what's, you know, what this process is and where they are in it might think, well, here we go again. This is just another guy that is a nutting defender and and uh, doesn't, doesn't uh, want to put blame where blame is due. Um, but, yeah. no, I do think this time it is kind of legitimate, and um, it's probably another year away in, in, in that regard. I, I would put a year on it, even though, you know, we don't like timetables. But, um, yeah, so I think, I think that is something that the fans that are a little more plugged in understand.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, Sean, from your perspective, you, you've been very patient with the rebuild. You know, just from our our chats back and forth, you know, I, I think you probably tend to lean a little bit more towards the overly patient side. You're actually like, I'm good. Just do whatever you're doing. Don't mess it up, right? What's your fear there? Like, what? How how could they screw this up at this stage if they were to spend some money? What what would be a mistake?
2: I think just overspending i think that once you open up the wallet and you start committing to guys for three and four years and they absolutely just crap out on year one and you can't move them i think you're holding a spot for somebody who yeah uh, it, you know you, you have a lot of people in the farm system and you want to have them move up here in the next couple of years couple three years and if you have somebody here who's slighted for that and they're making seven eight nine ten million a year they're going to keep him like Polanco. That's my So for fan. you, it's
0: for you, it's primarily a length thing then.
2: I think it's, so, a, it's a length thing. And I also don't want to sit here in 2025 and be like, oh, man, if we only got Cruz another 300 at-bats in 2022 at the end, we'd be so much better. We'd be so much further ahead. I, I don't think that makes that's sense. what you want to say. I, you don't want to be in that position.
0: That makes sense on the surface. And I think – Jim, circling back to where we've, you know, already taken this conversation multiple times. I don't see the cruise issue on the mound. So, to yeah. me, I, I'm more than happy to go out and get a, a veteran for a year or two. Mostly, be, and, and I, I agree with you, Sean. I don't want to go crazy and give people four or five years at this stage. But, but a, a two or three year deal on a, on a starting pitcher. I might be okay with that because I, I think they need some stability there. Like I would love a Tyler Anderson to come back in here for for two or three years and, and shepherd this young staff through a little bit. Um, Jim, I mean, are we still on the same page there with the pitching? I mean, are you feeling like length ruins it for you like it does for Sean?
1: Well, I mean, you know, I, I think um... – when you look at who's going to be available and obviously from the pitching side of things, you can, you can cross some certain names off the list. It's, it's, it's just not going to happen, be it, you know, um, length of any type of deal or whatever. They're, these guys just, the pirates aren't going to spend that kind of money. And we're looking for, we're looking for some bargains, right? Some, if you're going to do anything in that one, two, three year range.
0: Well, the very top end of the free agent market are players that, Quite frankly, a team like the Pirates couldn't afford if they wanted to. Yeah. And, um, and like, nor
1: would it be wise right now to do
0: it. Like, we don't even know if Zach is going to return. But let's say Zach, Zach Greinke returns, right? He's going to want $25 million a year, right? Yeah. For a couple years at his age. I don't know that I could do that. No. <laughs> I don't know that I'd want to do that. No. Um, but, I, but I'm sure somebody will. Because – for every team that can afford to to flush forty million dollars down the toilet for six starts from you know a right hander who was never as good as he was in his own head anyway um there's a team there's five teams like the Pirates that couldn't do that
1: right I don't know if i if I want to step inside Zach granke's head for even a couple minutes anyway but yeah so he's he's a he's an interesting guy um but then you got
0: Verlander, who didn't even pitch this year. Yeah,
2: or really, last year. right.
0: Then you got um, Kershaw, who you know out my back every three weeks. Like you don't want any of those guys, right? So like your your first tier guys really are are you're starting to get into your Kevin Gaussman. You know, who's going to be over $20 million and really kind of had a breakout year this year. It's not like he's been a stud his entire career. There's just as much chance that this was just a good year. You know, I I don't know how you go out and give length to any of those guys. So, I mean, yeah, especially the Pirates. You can't swing and miss there like you said, Sean. Mm -hmm. So if they swing and miss, they set this organization backward. You know, like that's not something they can afford to have.
1: That's always, it's a
0: conundrum. It
2: really is. And that's
1: always the problem with the, with teams that are in the pirates position is, is, you know, if you're in a little bit better um, market and have the budget that some of these teams do, if you swing and miss, so be it. Um, Right. You know, yeah, it, it sucks and whatnot, but you can overcome it. Pirates just really need to be careful. I think, um, You know, when when we were uh, discussing this topic before the show, I I looked up something and I was, uh, I I hate to parse words too carefully and look at them too closely, but, you know, Sherrington said, and I'm going to quote, and this is just recently, we'll have things we can do this off season as it relates to acquiring players through free agency or trade. We have a rough idea where we sit now and what that means in terms of the room we have to work in. So, I thought that last part was interesting. I'd like to get your take, both of your takes on that, because I have my thoughts that that last part that, that says we have a rough idea where we sit now, and what that means in terms of the room we
0: have to work in. So, I'll tell you what, though, this is going to bleed perfectly into the next topic I want to bring up. So let's let's make people wait until after the break for our answers to this, all right. because. I agree with you, and I want to give Sean a minute to process, because (laughs) I want his answer to be as good as his face says it's going to be, all right? Let's go ahead and take a quick break. All right, and we're back to the Pirates Fan Forum here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. And we left you off with Jim bringing up a very interesting quote from Ben Charrington where he basically says we have an idea of what we're going to spend or what what where we're at and where we are in relation to what the room we have to work with, right? Mm. So... Sean, do you want to take a crack first, or would you like me to <laughs> go after it? I mean, all I know right now is that we promised an audience we were going to react to it, and we've had about ten minutes to think about it. I love so.
1: me. First of all, Sean, me and Gary like to do this. We like to spring things on each other just to get that natural reaction. So you didn't—you didn't just get ambushed. This is—this is how we roll. Hey,
2: you sorry. got gym Bushed.
1: Yeah, you got Jim Bushed.
2: Know, fair enough. You know, it's all part of the game, right? So, no, I think that as far as the room that they have to operate in, they're, they are constrained. They're constrained by the small market. They're constrained by the uh, excuses that they have given themselves in the past. Like, we're a small market. We can only do so much. Uh, we can't go out there and get that big free agent like Verlander. Uh, I would disagree that Z- uh, Granky is going to be a big free agent. I got to watch him actually twice this year, which is pretty lucky. And he topped out at exactly 89 miles an hour both times. So it's I that's what that's he does, be, though. Oh, so. it, it, it's a lot of fun to watch. But yeah, it's uh, he's not that power guy anymore.
0: He's a pitcher, not a thrower.
2: Exactly. Yeah. But uh, as far you know, as far as Ben goes, as far as Sherrington goes, and what they are looking at. What they're constrained by. I, I just hope they're not looking at what they can't do. I hope they're looking at what they can do, and going out there and doing. That's a good way to put it.
0: And, it's very you
2: know, good. And, and going out there and getting some bargain bin pitching, just like uh, you said. I think that as far as free agents go, in my head, I separate it out between position players and pitchers. So, and as far as we, you guys have talked about the uh, prospects coming up, pitchers are. A lot farther away than the position players. You don't want to block the position players. There's nobody that's going to be there for the next couple of years that's that's going to block the pitchers. So yeah, see, I,
0: I, I agree with you there. I, I think when I when I think about Charrington's statement, I, what I'm really thinking about mostly is is at this point we're piling up statements that that all prepare the fan base for being underwhelmed, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's what I keep hearing. I keep hearing an awful lot of, um, yeah, we could do this and that, but, you know, kind of just expect most of it to be internal, right? Or, uh, you know, we, we got room, but, you know, we got to be real careful with it. I kind of wish they'd do something like we just did in the first segment where they come out and they say, like, no, we got these prospects that are coming up that are close enough that, We really want them to be able to have a place to step into. We want to leave a landing strip open for them. I'd much rather tell Cole Tucker to go packing than, you know, tell um, Javi Baez to go packing, right? (laughs) You want your prospects to have a landing spot. That's the purpose of this whole thing. I, again i go back to just thinking they don't have enough on the mound to do that despite a lot of people thinking Ronzi's going to come up here and start in the all-star game um i don't see it i you know i think i think they probably need a little bit more seasoning on guys like him so so
1: so gary um what do you think he means then by that in terms of the room we have to work in because you know, i take that in a very um simple way which is they do still have some sort of a budget they want to stick to this off season and maybe that's me just looking at it too critically but it was an interesting ending to it i thought well does your
0: do you ever go out on a double date either of you do you ever go out on a double date with your wife you're sitting there and the couple across from you, they order, like, this nice bottle of wine. And your wife looks at you like, can we get a bottle of wine like that? And you go, all right, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll get a bottle of wine. That's sweet, yeah. And and she looks at you with the price, and she kind of gives you that look like, we all right? You're not going to go, yes, we have $110 extra dollars we can spend this week, dear, right in front of the couple. You're going to go, we're all right, yeah. And then you get in the car, and you're going to go, no gas next week. You know, it's it's not something that I think he's ever going to say out loud, is the point. He'd have to tell you the budget if he told you directly he had one, right? So, it, it, at least, if not, there'd be a question about it.
1: Right, but to me, I guess the news would be, yeah. You know, I looked at it like this year with the money that they have committed to payroll and next year that um, – that wouldn't even really come into play. Obviously we know they're not going to go bonkers anyway. They know that. So I guess it just surprised me a little bit that it suggested that there is, despite that, still a framework in place before you even know who or what might become available. So it it was just a little something caught my attention.
0: It's not, it's not a, a bad thought because you know, how many times did they personally bring up that, um, you know, they, they had some kind of an agreement that they'd be able to, to have the money later, and a lot of people have speculated about what that could possibly mean. Does that mean that uh, they're setting the money they don't spend now aside so that they can add the payroll way above what this market could typically handle um, for a few years to, to open a window? Part of me thinks, like, okay, that's kind of counterintuitive to what you're doing with the prospects, then, because, you know, inherently your team's going to be super cheap for a few years. Um, but, and I don't believe it either. I mean, like, yeah. I just don't believe that Bob Nutting's got some Ben Charrington escrow.
1: He's got a little, opened up. he's got a Dave Ramsey envelope off to the side. And if you, if yeah. you don't know, if you don't get that reference, it's perfect. Um, but uh, I don't think it's working that way. So yeah, you know, and I don't want to sit here and put every quote under a microscope, but you know, it does well he he
0: better get to work giving us a lot more then, because when you get two quotes Uh, from the guy in a month you know heading into an off season following 101 losses you're gonna parse
1: that's that's just it yeah we we get it and we just stare at it because like you said you're not getting fed very much so exactly
0: not that there's anything to say right now i mean you know we got people out there pretending that uh you know there's this uh, ongoing contract negotiation for yoshi in the background like <laughs> it's it's just silly things are gonna just pique people's interest over time here but i figured a good subject for us to touch on here while we're talking about signings and, and money is i i mean is the era of the big money starting pitcher dying uh, and what has killed it you know um I'm going to read you a quote from Buster Only. Yeah, I, I, I'm pretty sure most of you know him, but he's a reporter for ESPN. Been doing it a really, really long time. Um, and you also know the challenges I have with national baseball writers for the most part. So um, take this as it is. There's a desperate need, which is just an insane word here. But there's a desperate need for the MLB, which I hate to, the, the MLB. Just call it MLB. Um, The Players Association to talk about the pitching changes and restoring the preeminence of the starting pitcher. It'd be better for the product, it'd be better for the union, given the importance of starters and setting market prices. So, I had a few issues with this, and it really got me thinking mostly about um, a conspiracy theory that I've kind of held in the back of my head for quite some time, Right? (laughs) So I'm going to go ahead and approach it, and we'll see what you guys think of my nuttiness this time. Uh, first, Buster has no idea what the major problems are with, with baseball if he truly thinks this is something that, that's up there, or he thinks that people can just complain that the role of something in sports has changed and they can uh, get it reversed. That would be like saying that hockey goons could complain to the union and have it reinstituted as something that happens every game in the NHL. So, silly on its face. Here's my conspiracy theory. The game itself, in the name of health, has changed the role of starting pitching to the point where it is setting up a structure of minimizing salaries long-term. I think Garrett Cole might be the last big, big big-money free agent starter for quite some time. Thoughts? (laughs) I'll go with you, Jim, because Sean went first last time.
1: You know, it kind of, it's funny. I've never heard you say that before. And it kind of goes a little bit along with some of the things I've been thinking too, which is, and maybe it was by accident at first. You know, they started yep. they started figuring out that, look, we're gonna give guys less times through batting orders, and and then it just by accident kind of started happening, right? Where you just it just started diminishing the role. It, it would kind of be like in the NFL with the running back situation, where yep. you know I don't think anyone set out to destroy the market value of running backs, but the game changed. They figured out other ways to do things. Um, You can get by with uh, guys that can get one, two, three innings. It's hard to find these Garrett Coles, right? So if you can, if you can find another way to, you know, skin a cat, I mean, why wouldn't you do it? And so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's great for the owners and, it's great for GMs trying to go out and find guys to pitch and effectively get through things. I do say, I, I want to say this because I don't want it to get lost uh, in the conversation. But I looked over in the last 10 years how much this has dramatically changed. And in 2011, the percentage of six inning or plus, six plus inning games from starters was at. 65.7 percent it, wow. it and i just wrote i just wrote now, a piece on this yeah it is now down to 36.6 percent
0: i just wrote a piece on this this year and, I, and the top in the league was the oakland athletics averaging 5.1 innings yeah it's
1: That's crazy i mean so it has i mean that is 10 years you know um it, yeah. It, that's a
0: trend. That's not a Oh fluke.
1: Boy, that's, that's going off a cliff with it. And it was 31.8% last year, but you know, COVID had something to do with that. So, um, look, I don't even know if they can stop it. Forget about whether it's desperate or whatever. I don't like right. it. I don't like it. I don't either. Because it, 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 it kills the game in the sense of the, the rhythm of it and whatnot. But, um, I understand from a baseball perspective why you're doing it. Sean, what do you think?
2: I think a lot of what you said is, is absolutely 100% correct. Uh, but I also think that we're on the back end of a lot of these big-name pitchers. And it seems like this is a lot of the elite quarterback debate in the NFL whenever you're really just trying to parcel out which five are the best quarterbacks, like which five are the best starting pitchers in the MLB. And what's that worth? Um, And just to counter your guys' argument where you're not getting as many innings, well, playoff baseball has also changed. Like, if you can sit out there and send out your big horse for that wild card game, that game number one, you can get five or six innings, what's that worth? Yeah, that would be nice
0: to see because this year I didn't see that, Sean. This year I saw – an opener, and then um, somebody that used to be a starter, and then a middle reliever, and then a specialist, and then a closer in the seventh. And I saw, I want to win every inning. I don't want to win this game.
2: I don't know. I that's I think what I, I saw
0: almost right away.
2: I saw something a little bit different. I looked at that. I watched that Dodger game, uh, and Max Scherzer was getting pulled out in the fifth, I think, and he did not want to come out. He gave them five really good innings, four and a third, whatever it was. And he, that manager, came out to, sh- to get the ball, and Max Scherzer shook his hands. I think. Yeah, Max every-
0: Scherzer's Max Scherzer's earned that too.
2: Yeah.
0: There might be about five guys that have earned that. But I think my bigger ball ball question ball. is, I think my bigger question is, will we be allowing anybody else to earn that? The way that I'm seeing baseball trend right now.
1: Yeah, can they even build it up to get to that? Point? I don't see them
0: letting anybody do it anymore. Okay. That's that's something that I think baseball is is kind of shifting on a little bit. And I'd love to think that it's just um, health and um, trying to protect arms and not really sure, you know, how, how – how to do it. And here's this um, analytics that say you should really only face a lineup twice. And let's just keep adding things to it. Right. And then before you know it, you've got all pitchers kind of like on the same level. Yeah. They're better. Some of them are better, but if you're only going to go four or five innings here as a top, you're not going to get $300 million in 10 years. Not now. Eventually inflation will take them to that point. But I think it's 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 gonna take contracts down a little bit. And backing this to the pirates, is it possible that this kind of makes Ben Charrington's plan a little bit more doable? If you're not necessarily looking for five guys that can give you six or seven innings every night, and instead you're just looking at building a pitching staff with, you know, eleven to twelve really, really good talents that can give you a decent chunk of innings. Does that make the job a little easier?
1: Well, I think you look back at what year was that the Royals kind of really perfected that, that year. Was that in 2015, 2016? When, you know, they, they, they really perfected that four to five innings at the max, Mm -hmm. they turned it over to just a dominant bullpen and so, yeah. And the race
0: came close last and year. And the
1: race came close. So I think you are looking at certain teams specifically that it does – it can help and has helped. So, um, you know, and, and, and again, it just comes down to – it's kind of funny what has happened to baseball is, like I said, teams have figured out other ways to get by and maybe even get by just a tiny bit, little better – Statistically, on it. It's kind of like all these teams have decided look, the analytics show you don't need five tool guys anymore. If you can, you know, go out and hit 46 home runs and hit 203 and do such and such a thing, you can kind of make up for some of that with the same productivity at the end of the day. So, you know, they're,
0: still, they're still real nice to have, though. <laughs> they,
1: they really are, but they're so few and far between that I think teams have just figured, oh, well, we can go out and get a guy that can do this. It's very hard to find a guy that can go do all the Acuna things.
0: I agree with that, but when Acuna comes along, he's going to come in and be able to be the very best that Acuna can be from the beginning. Sure. If Nolan Ryan steps in, because, you know, Sean, you're sitting down there in Texas, and it's like headquarters for starting pitching over the years right i mean you might as well just say god walks into the room well you know, but if Ryan a guy comes down. along if a guy comes along like that who's got the tolls and, and has the juice and he can go and give you those kind of innings he's got an arm made out of rubber you know you know those guys are they are they ever going to get to the point where they let them Like we're letting like Adam Wainwright go eight innings in a playoff game, but Adam Wainwright's, you know, Methuselah. He's done this for twenty-some years. He you know, he's earned his respect. He his managers know what he can do. I mean, hell, maybe that's why Schultz got fired, really. Who knows? (laughs) But regardless, are are they gonna allow pitchers to develop like that? Or do you think that we're gonna be artificially holding them back? as we move forward as a, as a game,
1: I think, I think you're going to see more of this. And I think there'll be a few guys here and there that I don't want to call them transcendent, you know, guys that are coming along that we haven't even heard of yet, but there'll be some guys, there'll be a few that, I mean, they're just so good, so dominant and, um, it's going to be hard to take a guy like that. I mean, if you, if you get to that point. Um, So I think you're still going to see it. It's just going to be less and less. And then you're going to start looking for more guys that can give you those, like you said, those two to three innings and get them out of there before they have to face a lineup, you know, a second and third time.
0: Yeah. I mean, Sean, what do you think about that?
2: I think that uh, baseball goes in cycles and right now, this is part of that cycle. I think that it, it'll kick back just because you talked about the, uh, the Royals and Tampa Bay. You know, they're able to find a way to do it. Now, everybody's trying to do that, everybody's lessening the workload and putting more of a burden on more of their pitching staff. And 162 games is a long season. If you have a guy who can put in 200 innings, that is very valuable. Even one hundred and eighty right. innings—that's that takes a lot of burden off of the rest of the pitching staff. There's a lot of value in that. Um,
0: so I think I think it's fair to say that um, it's here to stay for a little while because it has it has worked reasonably well for a lot of teams. It's saving a lot of people money, and I think what's lost on a lot of fans is. Just because the Dodgers are spending two hundred and seventy-five million dollars this year doesn't mean they want to be. You know, <laughs> I don't think that's necessarily what they'd like to do. The Red Sox have a market where they could afford a salary um, up there if they really, really wanted to, and they made a decision years and years ago that they could do this a heck of a lot cheaper, and that's what we're seeing right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, all these look all these owners have a little bit of Bob Nutting in them. I mean, they're baseball owners, right? I mean historically they have always been um how should I put this? Less than trustworthy and uh yeah. giving of their money. So um I think to answer your question to bring it back, Gary, to just with the pirates, you said it's here to stay for a little bit. And so, Sean, even if it does end up cycling out at some point, and who knows, I mean, look at the last 10 years we just looked at. But to answer your point, Gary, is I do think it kind of lines up with the pirates right now. Um, the next two, three, four, five years, I don't think you're going to see a trend away from it that soon, if at all. So, yeah, I mean, it. it hey look the pirates need a little bit of a break here or there if if that's where some of it is or one one aspect of
0: it great worse things have happened right than having something break the pirates way (laughs) i'll tell you what though guys let's go ahead and take a quick break and then when we come back we're going to start talking about a little bit of a series we're going to start here on the show we're going to start talking about potential rule changes in the cba that could make some things cool for the league and um Maybe even some of them will be wishful thinking, we'll see. Welcome back to the Pirates Fan Forum here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. I I really feel like uh, Jim and I were derelict in duty. We didn't come up with any kind of a theme song to intro this new segment that we're going to introduce here. But with the CBA coming up, I really thought it would probably be smart for us to spend at least a segment on just about every show talking about something that could change in the CBA realistically and talk a little bit about what it could do for the Pirates. And I don't want it to be a CBA speech every week. So, I mean, if you don't know what the CBA is, collective bargaining agreement, hopefully you retain things well and we don't have to repeat that over and over again. And I'd really like the the salary cap to not be the subject every single week because I think if we're going to get victories, realistically, some of them are going to be pretty small. So for this week, I thought we'd talk about what if MLB... Instituted the ability for teams to trade draft picks. Um, right now, they're only allowed to trade comp picks, which you know we've seen some teams do, and that's kind of cool. If if teams were able to trade draft picks, do you think it would change the ability of small market teams like the Pirates or the Orioles even to amass some first round picks and be able to? to get to the top of the mountain a little bit more reasonable amount of time. Sean, I'll start with you for this because you've got another team in your backyard that stinks out loud to the Rangers. So,
2: No, fair enough. Uh, I would say I'd be more concerned about the uh, bottom of the, of the draft, kind of like the rounds 20 through 40. I, I can see just some teams like the Padres, just to take an example, you say, I want this player. I want to, Trade away picks twenty-five through forty this year. Take them, and and you're going with it. Uh, so, what do you do with all those players once once you actually draft them? Um, and what what's the money situation going to be? What's the slot money? How is that going to go back and forth? Because I think that's the biggest factor. So, like, let's say you do trade a, a number one pick to somebody. Is it going to be? Are you going to get that slot money too? Is it going to be half? Is it going to be a quarter? That's a great point. So I, I think that's the biggest question with being with trading the draft picks.
0: Yeah, I think they, they'd almost have to have the slot money travel. You're right. And there'd have to be some kind of a limit on how many you could amass, too. Like, mm-hmm. um, with the international pull money, Jim, they, they limit how much you're allowed to actually amass from any one team. Right. So, in other words, you, you wouldn't be allowed to take 20 draft picks, not that I think we're going to go back to 40 rounds of drafts ever again with, with the reduced MILB system, but I do think we, we can get back to 25, 30 at some point. And, and if that's the case, yeah, you wouldn't want a team with 37. That might, that might be messy, right? Right. In fact, there aren't a lot of teams that would want 37. So do you think this would have any kind of an effect at all, or do you think people would just be too cautious with it, Jim?
1: You know what? Um, I think it, it, I think it clearly have an effect. I think, again, it's nice to have some options for some teams that need other ways to, to, to kind of, um, rebuild or, you know, get things up off the ground, you know, like the pirates are trying to do. And maybe you can accelerate that. Um, other teams, or you know have other motivations, even if you're a bigger market team. Um, my, I guess it, it's kind of touches on what Sean was saying: is is the first thing everyone's going to ask that's in those rooms are what what's it do to the money, right? What's how how yeah, follow, right. follow the money? Does it cost? Does it cost um, the players and the agents money? Um, man, I don't know that I have a, a good enough picture about all that to even know if they would be supportive of it from the get-go. I think from a fan standpoint, I'd love it. I mean, I'd watch the major league draft, you know, if that were, if these were things that could happen. So, but I don't know when you get inside the nuts and bolts and get down to all the attorney stuff and the agent stuff, is it something they would even go for?
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess the agents probably wouldn't care because you'd still be going in a slot, it's not, like, um, it's not like it would matter if, if the Pirates picked the first and fourth pick of the draft. The, I mean, it, as long as the slot money traveled, like we said. Right. If it doesn't, then, yeah, I think agents would get upset because <laughs> clearly one of those first two picks isn't going to get um, actually signed. So um, I don't know. There, it, it's an idea that I've had for a while. I've always liked it in the NHL, although – being a penguins fan i think it's largely gotten them into trouble <laughs> but uh but that's
1: up to the they, teams right you know like if you can't handle it that's on you you know and i don't mind that part of it
0: yeah i mean we, we've seen teams mismanage things like that before you know they take uh, wild swings and misses on top picks but um you know even the pirates this year let's say they had the first two or three picks right you know everyone was super afraid to take Jack Leiter because he's a pitcher. Right. And they, and they take the safe pick, I think with, with Davis, if you had the one and the two, well, one of them's probably going to be Jack Leiter. Right. Because you don't feel like you're swinging your entire year's, you know, um, pull in, in your, in your first pick, you, you get an opportunity almost for a two over you, you up your chances of actually getting a player. and, for a team that is rebuilding through the draft and has to survive that way, uh, yeah, I I mean, like, I can see the appeal there. The other side of it, though, Sean, is I'm not sure teams like the Pirates need more incentive to trade established players. And that's realistically what they'd be moving for those draft picks. Let's not pretend you could gang together five or six lower round picks for it. They're, They're very valuable to every team in the game.
2: That's essentially what they're getting anyway. They're getting prospects instead of major league ready talent. So they're already taking a bit of a flyer on them. And that's
0: instead of a lottery lottery pick, you're supposedly making an educated guess,
2: right? Right. You have more information. Uh, But I think you have to look at what the big market teams are going to want. Like they've built a lot of it through just free agency and taking what other teams have developed and, Taking that uncertainty out of it, I think that the major leagues, they, it's the most uncertain of all the drafts out of the four major sports. So, Easily, I yeah. I wouldn't say I'd say that the you know the Yankees, the Dodgers, if they can uh, go ahead and flip a number one pick for a uh, starting pitcher, just like you said, a number three uh, rotation guy, they'd probably do it just because you know what you're getting versus. That first round draft pick. I think is it what would. going to do.
1: I think it would worry me a little bit in the sense of, you know, there's all these things that, while we talk about it, you don't realize kind of like you know the ripple effect, and what I would hate to see though is teams, with this new um, way to kind of bow out or throw in the towel every year, or. Every four or five years that you're actually encouraging that too, we've already got enough of that going on. It's a, a good bit, point go, you know going on in baseball. And so does that start to happen? Because now you've given a team a chance to unload contracts and acquire picks and just start it all over again pretty quickly if you wanted to. So um, I wouldn't say that that happened a ton, but I think that those scenarios might occur, and I don't know if that's something baseball wants to get into right now either.
0: Yeah, I mean, I got to be honest. To me, this was a slam dunk, uh, slam dunk subject when I first introduced it. I was a hundred percent for it, and just talking this through a little bit, and we, we've started talking a few layers under the onion. It's starting to stink a little bit. So I'm not, I'm, not uh, 100%, I'm not 100% for it now. Um,
2: well, well, how about that, this? Like we're looking at it uh, from a big market perspective, at least I was. Uh, what about from the Pirates' perspective or another team's perspective? Like you get to maybe keep some more of the, of the picks that you had already drafted, a lot of your prospects. You get to maybe package in some, some draft picks, but you also get to keep a guy who's uh, already in your system in your system. And that also helps with the uh, MILB quality of life. So if you're trying to attract more people there, you know, it's like, hey, you know, you might get drafted and you have to work yourself through a farm system, but chances are it'll be one farm system instead of multiple farm systems.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's plausible. But I mean, another thing that the Pirates – Really, kind of can't afford to give up, though. Jim is grabbing guys from other teams that they've already done a lot of the hard work, right? Mm-hmm. You you do want some of those guys, like uh, Jack Sawinski who comes in here in Double A and kind of looks like he's ready to be in Double A. It's nice to have that every once in a while, right?
1: Yeah, I think you look. You first you you first of all gotta perfect making meals in your own kitchen, right? I mean, you, you you know, that's where you're going to do the majority of your eating. And, um, it's not, it's not a bad point that Sean brings up, but, um, I don't know how much, I mean, we've clearly seen how much baseball cares about their minor league players. Anyway. Um, they've, they've, they've been just absolutely embarrassed into having to do something about, the living conditions and the, you know, paying a livable wage. So um, that's probably way down on the totem pole uh, for the bottom feeders. So um, yeah, like Gary was saying, you know, when, when we started this and we've talked about it somewhat in the past, Um, I have actually, I was like, yeah, man, Hey, that's great. I'll tune in. Yeah. I'll have my bowl of popcorn and I'll be waiting for the draft and man, we can see who the pirates are going to do, you know, uh, what they're going to do with this draft pick and this guy. But the more you start drilling down on it, there, there's a lot of things that would have to be ironed out. And then we also haven't even gotten into the whole fact of, you know, they're going to start changing service time, and now you're dealing with more draft picks and things of that nature. So, I mean, it just – man, it just seems like the more you dig into it, the more confusing it gets.
0: That's that's how baseball is in general. All these roles are interconnected and, and, and married. And so every time you talk about changing one thing, it, it kind of – yeah. Yeah. So – I guess uh, we have a little bit more time. Let's bring up another rule change that that they've been talking about, and and that is the the designated hitter, okay? Universal designated hitter. I thought this was um, just about 100% in the bag. And then recently I've started hearing some comments that, yeah, I don't know, it's the only league in the entire country that still has no designated hitter. Maybe we don't necessarily want to give that up as a game yet. And I've heard that from Manfred a couple times too. So, I mean, I don't necessarily want to make this. Is it a good thing or a bad thing? If there's a designated hitter, just more. Do you think it's going to happen? I've, I've really kind of believed it was going to happen for about a year now. So it's, it's odd for me to be starting to waver at this point.
1: (laughs) I still think it's going to happen. Just with, you know, there seems to be more and more guys that that are coming up in Major League Baseball that don't have true positions or are quite honestly just butchers out there. I mean, we've seen – how many times have we seen Yoshi out there? And he just – it's very uh, apt for Halloween. It's frightening. But uh, so, yeah, (laughs) like just from that standpoint alone, I think – you get a lot of guys up. They're big guys. They don't necessarily play a true position. Um, and it's just more versatility for teams. So that's, I, I still think it'll happen. But, I mean, it's baseball. So you never know.
0: Sean, what do you think, sir?
2: I hope it doesn't happen, but it's an eventuality. It's whether it happens this year or the next CBA, it's coming. Um, so. I just hope they push
1: it off to the next one. Sean, I can I sense like- your your excitement for the DH. I just it's just jumping off screen right now. Is there is there like I know you don't. Well, let's not get into a big big thing about it. But I'd be really curious. What is it that immediately just you, I can tell you're just you're you're not for it at all.
2: For, for me, it's just the rhythm of the game. Like, you get to the top of the uh, order in the American League, it's just kind of like, eh, it's just a little bit better than the bottom of the order that, that you just saw. You get to the top of the order in the American League, it's, it's so exciting for me. Uh, uh, it's like what you're trying to get to. You're trying to get to those guys. Um, and whenever you see a pitcher get a hit, for me, that's really exciting. Uh, he helps out his own cause. And it, uh, it just – just to rehash all the old arguments, like you have more strategy in the National League and all that other stuff. You have the same guys coming up, just trying to bash the ball in the American League, and it's it gets a little not tedious, but it's uh it, it just doesn't have the same rhythm, and that's what I grew up with. I grew up in the National League, and that's just what I like.
0: I did too, and I think I. I don't want to say that I gave up on this subject because I used to be very kind of anti the DH. And recently I think I've been thinking of it more from a perspective of it makes it a little easier to get that next step from AAA to the to the majors done for, for some guys that maybe aren't ready to take a position over, but you like their bat an awful lot and you'd really like to get them up here and see what they can do. I, I just think it provides a little bit more flexibility there. Um, the hitters, you know, the, the pitchers hitting, I agree with you, Sean. It's kind of cool when they hit well. It's nice when you have a little break from um, facing one of those murderers road lineups where you get that pitcher that lets you get through the hump, but. I don't know. I haven't seen enough pitchers really taking at-bats seriously recently for me to feel like it's something I want to keep watching. That's that's, re-
1: <coughs> that's really kind of what happened with me, I think. You've just seen, because I used to be against it, and then you've just seen such non-competitive at-bats a lot of times um, from pitchers. And, look, those have always been there. But I think it's been more and more of that. And I don't know if they're just they've – almost, they've almost just conceded that most of the guys you know, that, that go up there as pitchers aren't going to be able to hit. I will say, like, the thing that I keep coming back to with this is if baseball is looking to find more ways to get the interest level and the excitement up and the balls in play and things of that nature – then I think it's just a matter of time. It's a quick way to try to inject that into the game when all these other problems are so, uh, like we've talked about, interconnected, that this would be a a way right away, at least in one league, to kind of get that moving a little bit.
0: I mean, if they're they're not going to do it, I mean, this isn't just a Pirates problem, but if they're not going to do it, Somebody needs to very seriously think about making the pitchers take batting practice for real and at least teaching them how to bunt. I mean, you should at least be able to drop down a bunt. I I don't care that, like, um, Brian Reynolds isn't a good bunner. For all I know, he probably is. I'd imagine he could do whatever he wants. But, you know, I don't care if Colin Moran can bunt. I want to see Chad Cole drop down a a perfect bunt down the first baseline that's what he should be able to do i you know you don't Steven want to Bro, see
1: you don't want to see colin moran drag bunt and just just leg one out and beat it down the line i mean
0: that's... i want to see it two years from now when he's been traded to the cubs <laughs> i don't want to see it right now you know but um that's just me <laughs> I, mean, I think i've seen enough of colin moran trying to run don't you think? So, um,
1: don't you think too though that it's gotten look? It's gotten hard for hitters to hit. So you're asking pitchers to go up there, and the velocity and the movement that you are seeing now from guys is so off the charts that you know even bunting would be is more difficult than it than it used to be. So. Um, I, I can see why pitchers often look so bad doing it now. Uh, see, but
0: that's one of those unwritten rules that kind of went away quietly, though. Remember, remember, it used to be like you didn't throw breaking pitches to a pitcher; you just threw them fastballs, right? Yeah. And even even when they'd sit up there, like ready to bunt before the the pitcher's even like taken his spot on the mound, they're standing there squared up. Yeah. Well, he used to throw it right into their bat. Yeah, here, have had it. Now you get like a down-and-away curveball you're supposed oh. to try to punt and whatnot. They're, they're not giving it up the way they used to. It used to be just a, a, a free shot at it. So, yeah, I mean, if that aspect of the game has changed and, and it seems obviously to have, then, yeah, I mean, what are we holding on to it for anymore? Let it go. And if Stephen Brault really wants to hit, he can play right field
1: yeah and and he can pull a Rick Ankiel um, but uh, dude he would have been
0: a better option at the plate than an awful lot of guys we had this year well
1: <laughs> that's true i'd prefer never to revisit that again but um, no
0: i don't watch next year then
1: oh gary gary <laughs> gary stop <laughs> I'm trying to stay positive over over the off season here it's very hard
0: right we have to get through christmas before i start that <laughs> sorry about that Anyways, uh, no, guys, great talk again. I, I really had a wonderful time talking about everything today—the rule changes and the the was changing and what the GMs actually doing. I, I think, man, it was a good it was good stuff today. And hey, I gotta give a quick plug out too. If you haven't had a chance yet to read um, Alex Stump's latest piece on DK Pittsburgh Sports, um, just. Bar none, the absolute best job anybody has done this entire year covering the development team, and and everything that's going on with the system as far as the different things they're trying. I learned things about the the, the structure of the pitching techniques that that they have through the system that I ever knew, and and I covered this team pretty closely myself, so wonderful piece please take the time to read it it's not a free one it's worth the seven day free trial if you can just get a hold of that even uh if you're a pirates fan really really got to give that one a a read it's very very good stuff and uh jim before we go how do people get a hold of you my friend
1: yeah um yeah i'm all twitter all the time it's for the city underscore 412 or at jimstam 22 Love to talk to Pirates, and basically anything Pittsburgh, you will get my attention. I do want to ask Sean, how often do you see anybody out there, because you're in Texas, right? Yep. How often do you see anybody rocking a Pirates hat or a pirate shirt, and do you get hit immediately with stalking charges when you see that?
2: So... (laughs) It happens more than you think. Really? So there, there is a lot of people with uh, some pirate hats. But you got to be careful, too, because a lot of them just like the hat. They don't, they're not a fan of Pittsburgh. So you sit there and you'd be like, hey, pirates. And they're like, <laughs> mm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not talking to you. So, hey, at least they
0: don't think it's a Philly hat, man. Oh, oh man. fair enough. But,
2: I got a buddy but Sean, the, people. Uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead.
0: No, I was just going to tell people how to get a hold of you on Twitter. You are Sean P. Conley, and that is Sean spelled the, the King's English way, S-H-A-U-N P. Conley on Twitter. He is a good follow, and he loves to talk bucks, so uh, give him a shout out too. Follow the show on Pirates Fan Forum at Twitter, and uh, you can also email the show, Pirates Fan Forum, at yahoo.com. We love to answer questions. If you send them in to us, we'll happily try to answer them. Or if you have a role suggestion for the CBA that you think is coming up and you'd like us to cover it in one of our segments, we'll definitely take care of that as well. Anything else to add today, Mr. Stam?
1: No, I was just going to follow up with you, Sean. Sean knows his stuff, and he's a good follow. So um, if he won't plug himself, we'll do it.
2: Yeah, well, I was trying to, but (laughs) Gary beat me too. Have at it, it, sir. No, no, so you know, I appreciate it, Sean P. Conley at Twitter, and I do apologize ahead of time. I'm Austin this week. I'm here for the F1 race, and it will be a Formula One Stan account for the next three days. So you've been (laughs) warned.
0: So start following him like next Monday. Monday, there you go, everybody. Yeah, it's gonna be all right. And uh, hey, without further ado. Let's go, Bucks. And also Kenny Pickett for Heisman. Let's go, Bucks.